From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 777, Getting Started Using Power Platform with guest Sandy Usia. Recorded Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit us at soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brennan. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today. Sandy Yussi is a technical evangelist for Lightning Tools and a developer on the SharePoint and Teams Web Parts and Tools. And she is a SharePoint and Office 365 enthusiast and speaker, a digital nomad, and a Microsoft MVP for Power Apps and Flow. And you've got a new podcast yourself now. Do you call it a podcast? Uh, uh, well, I don't know if we'd call it a podcast. It's a webcast. Uh, right. I mean, it's on There's YouTube. a video component yeah. to it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which is our Lightning Tools chat. So that's myself and and Brett, the Lightning Tools CEO. That's great. And and it's just, it's a great way to get people filled in with what you're doing and, and sort of the, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, of uh, understanding about intention and, and the way, the culture that you bring when people can hear mm-hmm. your voice, can hear you talking about it and, and really explore it with you. So I really appreciate that, that kind of creation. That's exactly what we're after with with that series is to to show people the the real lightning tools. I mean, we're uh, I think we have a really great culture here of, uh, of empowering our customers and so on. And so so we just want to bring that across, I think, to people. And and also a way for folks who who may have not gotten into your stack yet to just like you want to get to know it. Mm-hmm. You know, listen while you're, you're out for a run or or yeah. whatever you're mean, mowing the lawn, whatever you're doing. Because goodness knows you're not <laughs> commuting yet. We're still not doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I got to drag up your last show. That was Seven Eleven, the show oh, back okay. in, that we published back in July of 2020. We were talking about automating workflows with Power mm-hmm. Automate specifically, mm-hmm. and there was a comment on LinkedIn. I post the show out to LinkedIn, and, and you get some feedback from there every so often. And Brian Barnett said, uh, "Hey, another great episode as usual with Sandy." Because uh, that was the second one. We'd done two. Mm-hmm. Here's number three. Uh, a question I had as I was listening was when you should use Power Automate and when you should use Logic Apps and what are the scenarios that make that decision? And I went to, hey, you know, one's a little more code centric than the other two, but you responded as well, uh, referencing another show with uh, some folks from Microsoft who talked specifically about the B2C versus B2B interactions. That, that right. f- the uh, Logic Apps is really about binding two pieces of software together, not so much humans interacting with it, which automates I think more, like that. more so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I th- yeah, that was that was some comments from Steven Siciliano, who's um, kind of the head of <laughs> Power Automate at Microsoft on our Flow Pro show, which and is another webcast I do. <laughs> another webcast you're involved as well uh, with. And I do think that that's a much better description in the sense that that's all I've ever done with Logic Apps is make mm-hmm. glue between other products, right? Whether mm-hmm. they're, they're your own products running in the cloud or other SaaS uh, tools, that is all I've ever used Logic Apps for. But I, of course, I'm thinking like a dev. Rather than mm-hmm. thinking like the, uh, right. the the architect or the responsible party for for running all of that, 
So, Brian, thank you so much for your comment. And if you uh, ping me with your mailing address, I'll send you a Run As Radio mug. And if you'd oh, like nice. a Run As Radio mug, write a comment on the website at runasradio.com or on Facebook and LinkedIn when we publish the shows up there. If we read that comment on the show, I'll send you a mug. And I'd send you one too, Sandy, but, you know, oh. you're a nomad. You don't need more stuff. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I would break it right away. Inevitable. <laughs> well, I'd have, to, I'd have to jettison something out of my pack, like my laptop or something. No, don't do that. That's a poor choice. Now, <laughs> it, admittedly, you can't put coffee in a laptop, although you can, but only once. Yeah, it's not a good outcome either. Let's all do that. that. <laughs> We've all tried that. <laughs> I had, I was on, I think it was a KLM flight and I had one of the old tablets. Uh, motion Back when motion computing made sort of the original tablets, they were really thick and they were meant to be sort of standalone, but they had a snap on keyboard for it. So unlike every other computer, all, there was no technology in the keyboard, just the keys. Everything was in the screen that was snapped into this keyboard and it was bounced. And I'm typing away and I picked up my coffee or picked up my cup of tea. And as I picked it up, the flight attendant banged into me and oh. knocked my arm into the, the keyboard. So, oh. and I cursed, but I immediately ripped the computer off the keyboard, right? Knowing that was the two separations. But this poor lady had no idea. Like, she didn't know that there was no technology. She just was sure she destroyed a $1,000 machine, right? So she was very upset. And I poured the, you know, poured the tea back out of the keyboard with all of its debris and so forth. And and uh, they gave me a little card and so on. And they did buy me a new keyboard. I think it was a couple oh, wow. of hundred dollars. But, uh, yeah, I, I had to calm her down. It's like, listen, you're okay. It's not the, the computer's okay. It's all right. But, <laughs> You picked you pick the one machine that wasn't going to be destroyed by that. No work is lost. <laughs> you know, back when we flew. You remember those days? Mm -hmm. What a concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the before times, yeah. <laughs> In the before times. Hey, the vaccines are rolling out. Uh, yeah. I see... Well, every folks, folks are poking me for doing stuff in person in the fall. I don't know if that's true for you, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping that, that that'll be the case. I'm actually um, getting on an airplane next Wednesday. Wow. Yeah, looking forward to that. I'm going to go see my mom, who I haven't obviously seen for over a year. So. Right, but you're vaccinated, she's vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all of these things are, are doable mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And. I mean, for better or worse, yeah, we happen to be recording this just at the time when the latest Microsoft quarterly reports come out and they mm. killed it. Like the cloud <laughs> demand is through the roof. Like mm. it's almost a sense of war profiteering. <laughs> you know, they made so much money on the back of this crisis because the work moved to the cloud. It droves. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I got to think the power platform is is just expanding now. Like the, the demand yeah, yeah. for it is incredible. What are you seeing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody I know who works in the power platform has way more work than they can possibly <laughs> do. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's very hard, difficult to find talent because not that many people have power platform skills still yet. So need lots more skilling to go on. What kind of skills do you really need for this? I thought it was the, the whole no code. <laughs> <laughs> low code like uh, what do i need to know uh well just i mean the technology for one thing and i i think we may have talked about this before but i think also uh a knowledge of business and how you know how to 
apply the technical skills to uh, the business needs because that's the the only reason for using any sure. part of the power platform is that there's some business need you're trying to solve same with sharepoint or anything really but and and like sharepoint i you know you think about back in the day the folks that really grabbed onto sharepoint weren't necessarily sharepoint experts but they were domain experts that were trying mm-hmm. to empower themselves they mm-hmm. they learned the technology to be able to enable their work, but they're first and foremost, they were domain experts. Now, yeah. I, I met lots of them that ultimately ruined their careers in the process because once you, <laughs> once folks figure out you're good at using a tool like SharePoint or like the Power mm-hmm. Platform, you know, that will dictate your future after that. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to ask you to do more and more in that, but that's not a bad outcome. Like, we right. haven't had that in the Microsoft ecosystem in quite a while. I think back to the access days and the visual basic mm-hmm. days and the SharePoint days where, mm-hmm. where domain expertise was the primary asset. The technology wasn't so complex that you needed a comm sci degree. Like you could mm-hmm. get in and be productive mm-hmm. and help others be productive in, in yep. a relatively low amount of a uh, front end if you had the expertise yep. to know how to make the work go better. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it feels kind of similar to me. I first got into SharePoint in 2007. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, you know, not super early. That's I mean, not completely early. early SharePoint, but pretty yeah. early. SharePoint 2007 uh, early was not that, a pretty version of SharePoint either. <laughs> no, but it, so that was early enough that most people were still learning their way through it, right. I would have to say. And and so this feels kind of similar to me that, you know, the community is forming yeah. currently for Power Platform. Um, it's a very vibrant community, just as it is with SharePoint. And, um, you know, all the community events and, um, and sites and YouTube videos and all of that that are coming along, uh, it feels real similar. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, yeah, you, nobody's hiring someone with 10 years experience in Power Platform. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're all learning this at the same time and, and trying to figure out how to apply it. And it is also evolving rapidly, too. Like yes. this power moniker, there were many other products that existed. The, the power moniker comes out of the Power BI space, which was very much a data-centric tool first. And we had Flow and Automate and all these other tools, but they gradually round them together because they do seem to live together now as, as, you, as you start gluing the pieces together. So where do you point people to first when they're looking at the stack? Uh, well, I mean, my personal favorites that I work in are, are Power Automate and Power Apps, but um, I mean, it just really depends on what somebody wants to do, What what's their goal. So, right. if somebody has a business need that they need to solve, then it's pretty clear probably which part of the Power Platform is going to solve that business need, and then that's the one that you want to to focus on learning first. You know, it, I think the learning always goes better when you have a goal, a specific purpose in, mm-hmm. in doing the learning. Um, and that's kind of our, our premise with, uh, with our new company and lightning, which I don't must not be in my bio or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know how old that bio is. We should refresh it, but uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's like last <laughs> but, year's bio. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm co-founder of a company called Enlightening, which I do in addition to Lightning Tools, and mm-hmm. and we do coaching on Power Platform as as well as other Microsoft 365 products. But what we find uh, with our clients is that they're um, mostly looking to solve some problem, and mm-hmm. that's why they're interested in learning some part of the Power Platform, and so they're best served by looking at that specific problem and how to solve it. 
And, and I mean, I find that just in doing community work as well sure. and doing the um, uh, community training court sessions and things like that, that give it sort of like, I sort of liken it to learning a language. Like I might want to learn Swedish just because I feel like learning Swedish, but I, if I am planning a trip to Sweden, then that gives me a more, lot more purpose incentive. Yeah. And, and, and knowing, you know, what kinds of words I need to learn for this trip mm -hmm. specifically. So it's kind of similar, you know, learning if you know you want to automate some business process. So, you know, you've heard, you know, that Power Automate is something you could use to do that, but you don't know where to look to, to learn it. Um, it's, best if you can find something or maybe get a little bit of guidance initially to know here are the parts that would do the thing that you're trying to do and then we can point you toward maybe um videos or or just you know conferring with somebody sure. or uh or there's the uh the whole power users um forum community mm -hmm. on microsoft's site um and uh, user groups, which are also moving over to Microsoft currently, um, lots of YouTube videos. So it just depends on what you're trying to learn, maybe what the best course of action is. But a targeted, as I find, is best. Yeah, and Power Automate implies certain set of things, but are, are there sort of a class of work you see Power Automate serve particularly well? That the folks working in a business go are doing some kind of repetitive tasks that they can automate? I would say that one of the biggest things that seems to be approvals still, that people need approvals on things. <laughs> um, and so they're, you know, or just when, you know, when something happens that things need routed to people or um, decisions need to be made and things like that. But a lot of it seems to center around approvals. Interesting. You know, I, I sort of thought at one point, Maybe people didn't need to do that anymore, but <laughs> but it still seems to be or creating tasks. You know, you end up with lists of tasks to do right. and and things like that. Uh, yeah. Well, the the approval one's interesting because it's a kind of gatekeeping in the sense mm. that this mm. this cannot proceed until this person approves it. But mm -hmm. it's still a relatively asynchronous process. You can't just stand there and say approve this, and I will do nothing until it's approved. <laughs> you know. But well, you can you, with the automation. Yeah. yeah but I, but I do appreciate that that problem. Like if I don't do this synchronously, if I just sort of send it off, I can also mm -hmm. forget about it for quite a while right. if they don't get yeah. to it right away. So that yeah. whole mechanism of here are the approvals that haven't been responded mm -hmm. to yet so they don't get misplaced. Right. And you can build in, I mean, if you're building a flow around that, you can build in reminders every so often right. if it hasn't yet been approved and things like that. So, so yeah, I've... I've seen a lot of that in the past too, just structuring. Oh, yeah. The opportunity to annoy your boss in five minute intervals <laughs> right. with a minimum effort on your part. I think that's right. pretty delightful. How often should uh, we know. remind them? <laughs> right. Or, and also personal productivity. I mean, that's where I personally use it a fair mm -hmm. bit just to, um, you know, to get notifications on my phone of particular emails that come in, for example, if there's a certain subject line or it's from a certain person, uh, then I'll get a notification so I don't miss it, right. <laughs> which otherwise I might wow. on all my different email inboxes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Join the club, man. That's, all, that's just so much email flowing all the time. And I, my Outlook rules are not trivial. And it's mm. still takes a while you know just yeah. a, it's a lot but to you know with. the thing with outlook rules is uh, as far as i know you have to be have outlook open <laughs> for them to work right well, well they can I be think. pushed back onto the server 
Mm. Uh, if you're if you're hooked out, and if you're running Office 365, like those rules live mm. back there. They'll they'll mm. organize things for you. But mm-hmm. you know, I do appreciate it's only got so much functionality too. There's mm. more things that could be done, mm-hmm. and and more sources to that as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and then from the Power Apps standpoint, I would say the you know mostly that's people wanting to to take something mobile, you know, being able to to create something themselves that's a, a mobile app on their phone that where they can do some meaningful work uh, without needing to go to whatever the data source is or use you know whatever. Um, have, they don't have to use their computer and and try and you know create something that is more has a nicer user interface like people are used to these days with mobile apps. Well, and normally we would be putting this back on devs to write these apps for us, right. and the backlog the is mm. catastrophic. Like, mm. and, right? Yeah. And, and from an IT perspective, I mean, I'm, I'm a point I've been making to folks is like none of us are ever getting to the bottom of our to do list. Mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. that these domain experts who want these things could facilitate a certain amount of that work. Right. Uh, you know, they're just, they're only relieving some burden. They're certainly not mm. taking anything away. The mm-hmm. question is always, are they going down the wrong path? Like, is this going to create other issues? Mm, right. Yeah. So, you, people need guidance for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if they are, and it depends on your organization, how much, how, maybe how, how large it is, how much governance you need to have. Mm-hmm. Um might be determined by that, but um, yeah, if you can make sure that the people who are beginning to create power apps and flows are trained in that uh, somewhat, at least yeah. to the to in best practices, for example, and have some I don't know if I want to say checks and balances exactly, but um, you know, sort of submit it before it goes public, and you know, make sure they understand about testing. And, yeah, and things some like some sense that. of governance. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As is brought to you by SQL Intersection, back at the Swan Hotel in Orlando, June 6th to 10th. You've heard the SQL Q and A shows we publish on Run As twice a year from SQL Intersection. That is a microcosm of the five days of awesome learning available to you from the real-world consultants and members of the SQL Server team that speak at the show. Learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately, as well as insight into the future of SQL Server. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance, working in the cloud, and exploring all the new features of the latest version of SQL Server. And if you still have questions by the end of the week, join the closing session of SQL Intersection and be part of the SQL Q&A show on Run As Radio. SQL Intersection is at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida, June 6th to 10th. Use code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at SQLintersection.com, and I'll see you there. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Sandy Usia. And we're talking a bit about like, the governance side of Power Apps, which I think is the biggest thing from the IT perspective, because the easiest governance is to say no. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just not actually productive. Mm-hmm. But the challenge here, it, I mean, I would think that you're locked down enough that the chances of somebody just building something from scratch to call into APIs is pretty low. They're not going to have the privileges. So they're they're going to be blocked pretty quickly. They're you know those folks are going to need to come to you and go, hey, I need access to. I want to do you know something along that line. Access to data, access to resources, so on. And now we need to develop a set of guardrails. To say what can you access? What's an appropriate level of access? 
those privileges have to be independent of the user that's using the app. So we have this sort of tier of administration uh, of accounts that needs to exist. Uh, but for example, if the data source is SharePoint, right. they have access, they have all the access they need to the to whatever the, the data source is, well, assuming that they actually do have yeah, access to it. Yeah, depending on the governance I, I was, you put um, into in SharePoint as well. Like it's, right. I mean, I was involved in a conversation on Facebook in one of the um, Power Apps groups uh, the other day where somebody was saying, you know, they've got this SharePoint list of data that they want to um, display in a Power App, but uh, the users who are going to be using the app don't actually have permission on this SharePoint list. Right. <laughs> and so he was trying to come up with a way with in Power Automate to um, kind of get around that, like put the data, take the data out of that list with an account that did have access, put it, you know, bring it Somewhere in. Somewhere else. I mean, my, my argument to that is maybe you need to first look at why they don't have access to that list if they, they really shouldn't. Right. Then, or, or and, then, and then make the case for why they should. Like there are people right. that will help you. And, and, right. you, and you bring up a really salient point which is depending on the relationship that folks have with it they may or may not call mm -hmm. you know they're going to find a way to do it without you if they right. don't feel yep. like you're an enabler That's what this felt like. yep. yeah well we saw this in the sharepoint era where mm -hmm. everybody stood up their own sharepoint server rather than try mm -hmm. and work through it to do it at some point <laughs> i you know the number of organizations i talked to it's like it's a plague there are SharePoint <laughs> servers everywhere mm -hmm. and they aren't being backed up and they're running mm -hmm. under desks and mm -hmm. they have company secrets that aren't correctly secured. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things happen. Like folks yep. are going to find a way to they're do gonna this. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. They're going to so dump data well. out of the company resources. They're going to stick it in a, w their own OneDrive or some other store and then they're going to build things against it. And circumvent all those things. And so, you know, better that they have some sense that they can reach out to you and that there's mm -hmm. some answer other than no mm. to mm -hmm. to actually, you know, make life easier for them. It's like, yep. oh, no, you don't have to do all of that. We can provide access to the data. We have to figure out who has rights and what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of that comes down to company culture and uh, and, yeah, being supportive rather than the opposite of support of whatever yes. that is <laughs> well you know we're all busy and and yeah. and no makes people go away <laughs> for a while but it also generates consequences and i think we just outlined all of that so yeah. it does take some time to sort of figure out what's the level of access i've and i've mm -hmm. seen the same conversation with developers where it's like this is not replacing any work that you want to do anyway they want to call <laughs> your apis in the first place they don't know mm -hmm. they do like mm -hmm. i think that's an interesting question is to take mm -hmm. these domain experts that are not that technical and introduce them to the concept of there's a set of services out there that will make your power apps better. Mm. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you see that level of sophistication or are power apps largely built without access to any of their backend services that already exist? I guess most of the ones that I see, and I normally am working with smaller organizations mm -hmm. myself, but, um, so I would say they're mostly using kind of known data sources, you know, ones that have connect connectors built in right. and they're easy to use and it's not a custom API. Um, and there are so many connectors available, you know, I think 400 some now, right. <laughs> uh, that chances are there is one already uh, that all you need to do is, you know, use its functions and, action, and actions to be able to uh, connect to it. 
you just would have to have, you know, the um, the login to be able to do that. Right. Each, each user is going to do that. And so they might have to come to IT to get that if that's what, but, but presumably, you know, if a, if a business user has a need to create, uh, to automate some process, it's probably to do with tools that they do already use. So they mm-hmm. probably do already have a login to it, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, then I, I think it just behooves the uh, IT department to to help um, enable that where, where that's appropriate anyway. <laughs> well, I think you get to a really interesting point, which is that it might be up to IT to notify uh, system architects that, like, look, we are getting requests for security mm-hmm. privileges for doing things with power apps mm-hmm. that seem to be directly adjacent to work you're doing. Like, if mm-hmm. they're starting to – they're talking about things like we want to reach into Salesforce and grab data to do mm-hmm. this, like, that kind of thing, which may well be a project ongoing somewhere in the organization True. already and yeah. likely not – necessarily using this approach like mm-hmm. they i think it's a really positive aspect that they could be in culture like system architects aren't used to getting calls from it all that often right <laughs> that is good news anyway mm-hmm. like and i yeah. see i see this straight up as good news that 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 in that specific workers within an organization are trying to are so keen to do automation and work mm-hmm. on mobile devices and so forth that they're finding ways to do it themselves Right. Like they are workforce multipliers. This is free labor for solving <laughs> problems. We should take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess similar with um sort of similar with Power BI. I mean, if somebody that's maybe a little more restricted because of the just the way the licensing works on that. Sure. You know, people can create their own um visualizations in their own workspace for free, of course. But um but I mean that's a good thing too to know that people are wanting to analyze data in some way and 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 work with that and and get um insights from from the data, but then when they get to the point where they want to share that, then that's, I guess, you know, where IT and governance would need to get involved with. Yeah, and what and level of <laughs> access they have to the data. Mm-hmm. Although I've generally seen that, like the concept of a data analyst is a role known in organizations already, and mm-hmm. they've they've had many generations of tool, mm-hmm. Power BI kind of being the latest, and they tend to have mm-hmm. pretty serious access into data more than mm-hmm. the average user would have. Mm-hmm. So it it to me it seems more a separate category in some respects. Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely of the power platform that and power virtual agents are less citizen developer-y. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of that term. I don't know how yeah, you I feel know. about it. Yeah, not not so much either. But um, it's not exactly power user either. Well, and yet they call it a power product. Right. That's yeah. why it's kind of gone with their their actual skill they bring to the table is domain expertise. And so, mm-hmm. I fo- sort of focused on that aspect. Mm-hmm. But I also, I've been in this business long enough. It's like, I've seen domain experts do this before mm-hmm. when we gave them great tools mm-hmm. to help, you know, solve these classes of problems. And mm-hmm. uh, and we all benefited from it. It became a yeah. competitive advantage consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that this tool was built to work across an array of front ends, you know, that, that PC, tablet, laptop, phone, there's not mm-hmm. a big deal mm-hmm. for it. And against mm-hmm. an array of data sources... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this seems very familiar to me and yep. it was, yep. it was done differently in the nineties in the aughts, but it was done and it's being done mm-hmm. again. Yeah. 
So yeah, it, I agree. It, it's compelling and it's important. And like I said, I, I just don't see anybody getting to the bottom of their to-do list. Goodness right. knows. Yeah. Yeah. I forget what the statistic is that I've read that Microsoft has before, but like how many years it would actually take of developer work to get through current backlog. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and at the same time, as an IT guy, I am looking at the proliferation of custom apps within my organization that need maintenance, that need shepherding, mm -hmm. that need mm -hmm. backup, uh, that need security, you know, infosec validation. And mm -hmm. so I, I'm almost a want more. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, there's also got to be an effort to retire apps, uh, uh -huh. right? Like, that, that we're, yep. we're getting to a point where it's just too much code. It's too much surface area mm. uh, in terms of liability. So, they, the prospect of retooling an, app, an yep. old app, yep. like, in my perfect world as, a, as an IT guy who's done this for a long time, it's like, you're telling me that the domain experts that are currently living with a WinForms app are starting to build a power app to be able to use it on other devices to effectively mm. modernize it. That's nothing but good news because that's <laughs> on a tertiary to-do list that won't be gotten to in this decade. Right. So the, the fact that, that they're going to put effort into that, like we may need to provide a little effort and supervision to support it, but it's, it's only good news. I just think mm. it's a really interesting tripwire. The day I need to call architects, the, you know, the dev side of the house to say, hey, this is what's being asked of us uh, from, an, uh, from a privileges perspective and an access perspective. And I think you guys need to be made aware of it. And no, our answer is not going to be no, because you this is stuff you guys get to take off your list that you weren't going to get mm -hmm. to anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting from that perspective, for sure. Yeah. Another, another similar one might be... Um, forms that are currently being done in InfoPath and you know you're going to need to migrate those or, yeah. you know, re redo them, really. <laughs> and so, if if the people using the forms could help with that, that yeah. would be They know them better than anybody else, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and it could, it's probable, I would have to say, that at this point, needs have actually changed since that form was originally developed. Maybe we actually no longer need this or that field or we do need this or that field, <laughs> Yeah, so better to redo it, or we or the shortcuts we took at the time. Like I, I saw an awful lot of InfoPath also built by domain experts, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. that was also yep. a tool in the office suite back in the day, right, right? And so you know, it was the people on the ground that were building a lot of those things, and it and it was it had its own proliferation problem. Mm. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any real. Well, there's some third party migration tools for out of InfoPath. Uh, yeah, but into what? I'm not sure exactly. I, I know that there was one that was being worked on uh, that I'm aware of, but I, they, I think that kind of went by the wayside a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if there are any currently that yeah. do exactly that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some folks that are, were fighting with it. And it seems like mo mm -hmm. for the most part, they were just driving it to custom SharePoint implementations, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. its own. I mean, mm -hmm. I would hate to be the person that was building those migration tools when SharePoint went through its cloud changeover mm. that just shook uh -huh. everything for how you mm. customize SharePoint. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a tough place to be. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, at some point, InfoPath is going to come out of maintenance, right? They, 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 mm. I think we've got to like 2026 or so. So I think that's right. Yeah, yeah we yeah. got a little bit and, of time. And then similarly with um, SharePoint designer workflows that, you know, those are being redone in Power Automate and probably better. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are 
things that you can do in Power Automate that you couldn't do in SharePoint designer workflows. And so now you can improve your automation. Mm -hmm. And it as, runs better well in the cloud updating. and the backup strategies mm -hmm. are more coherent and the info, mm -hmm. the secure infosec layers make more sense. Like, mm -hmm. and it's better for cross platform on the front end. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of wins mm -hmm. there. Right. Um, yep. That it's a lot, also a lot of rice bowl moving. <laughs> like uh, of what of rice Sorry? bowl moving like folks that knew were productive and successful and you know being useful in the organization being told hey you know all those skills you got yeah we're changing all that <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're well, changing yeah. the tool suite and it, and it's not mm. like this was a straightforward one day they had a plan this is where they're going we've shifted mm. a bunch of times uh i think there's folks that are real skeptical still that this mm. this is a destination this is not just a temporary stop but I don't know how you feel. It sure seems like the Power Ops is the one to stay. That I think so, yeah. Really the, the Microsoft has invested a lot yeah. in it. Um, and, and I know there are people out there who, are, who specifically um, help people with transitioning from InfoPath to Power Apps or from SharePoint Designer Workflows to Power Automate. Like mm -hmm. That's their specialty is equating those or, or seeing, you know, showing people how they can not migrate, ex not migrate one to one, right. but just but rebuild and do yeah. have the same or better functionality. Yeah, be informed by the work you did before to build right, over. Right, but again, right, with these right, no right. low code solutions, it happens really quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm astonished at how rapidly someone with ex some experience inside of Power Apps can build out a set of forms. Like can actually yeah. construct quite a bit in in just a few hours. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, and it's and 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 the cross-platform, different form factor, all that stuff comes for free. Like it, you just get that. You, you almost can't right. turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It helps that it's all part of the the Microsoft 365 stack, and that yeah. it all works together. That is certainly a huge win. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was all Microsoft before too, but somehow didn't seem connected <laughs> that well. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a huge company making lots of different products. They don't necessarily talk to each other. And we run into that all the time. <laughs> well, that's true. Right? We're trying to figure out which piece works with other. And I think it's also a real salient point. It's like, you kind of need to be fully into the M365 world to take advantage of what the power stack offers you. So, uh, how do you run into folks that are still wanting to call into data that's on-prem and things like that? And, and how much of a struggle is that? And there are, yeah, sometimes, yes. I mean, there's the um, data gateway. So that lets you, you know, access, for example, on-prem SQL or something like that if you've got it. But, um, and then there's the whole uh, desktop automation where you can um, automate things that are in legacy software, which is probably server-based, mm -hmm. um, and be able to um, automate those processes uh, using you know, a part of Power Automate. Um, and, the, and the data gateway, just to be clear, is part of the Power BI stack? It, I think that's maybe where it originally came from. Right. But uh, you use it with Power Apps and Power Automate as well. Okay. So once you've got a data gateway, you can use it throughout the Power Platform. And it makes total sense that Power BI, mm -hmm. because of its tendency to data analytics, would happily work on data that's in the cloud and on other resources and then want to have access to that data on-prem as well. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. fact that they've just opened that up to all of the power things right, uh, right. makes a lot of sense. But it, it, but I think it's also one of the check marks for me as an IT person to say, hey, yeah, we've moved some stuff to the cloud. We still got some mm -hmm. off-prem. 
is this mm -hmm. a reason not to use this? And it clearly it, mm. it isn't a reason. There are tooling that will allow us to, to have access to that data as well. Right. I'm pretty sure that's still a premium feature, but still it's probably hey. well worth it from a value pers uh, perspective. Yeah. You know, it, as opposed to not using the product at right. all. Like, exactly. <laughs> or more importantly, forcing not it. Not using the data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for or, and or forcing behaviors underground, which, mm -hmm. you know, that will have right. its own set of consequences. Right. So, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and then a half hour flash by, Sandy. <laughs> I think we're just sort of getting into the groove here of some of the uh, possibilities for the, this. Where do you, uh, other, I, I've got the link to the community site, which is amazing, like the folks that, that are on there. Are there other places that, that uh, play, people should be looking? Um, well, I usually, it depends on what they want to learn, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, definitely YouTube. So, uh, you know, everybody, I would say always says, if you want to learn power apps, go to Shane Young's YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> I think he's almost at a hundred thousand subscribers now, and he's, uh, got a video about just about anything you'd want to do in power apps. So a hundred thousand subscribers for power apps on YouTube. Yep. I mean, honestly, that. It speaks well to the future, doesn't it? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe YouTube is not only for for uh, for cat videos like that. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yep. Um, Power Automate. Uh, I would say at this point, probably the Microsoft channel. So um, John Levesque is no longer with Microsoft, mm -hmm. who had been the uh, Power Automate evangelist. There will be another one, but I don't know who that is yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but he has still on his channel, though, a lot of um, getting started Power Automate videos, and then a lot on where he's got a guest come in and talk, do you know, run through a particular um, feature or something like that. So I, I would say that's still a good place to to get started. And I'm sure whoever comes in into that role will take that, right. continue that right. series. Right. And then there's the whole Microsoft learning paths. Mm -hmm. uh, so through maybe it's learn.microsoft.com. I should have looked that up. But, mm -hmm. um, but they've got learning paths on each of the Power Platform tools. And uh, there's a Power Platform fundamentals certification you can get. Uh, so you can study toward that. And that just shows that you know how they all kind of work together. Um, so I would say that's maybe a good place for general learning. Um, and there, and keep an eye out to your local Microsoft offices because there's, there are often, um, well, virtually now, I guess yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter where they are, but the, um, in a day thing. So there's a power automate in a day, there's power apps in a day, power BI in a day. Uh, all each of those things has an in a day <laughs> that is presented by one or more, uh, usually MVPs and, uh, gets you, it's a workshop type session where you spend the day, uh, learning how to, how to use that tool. Um, I mean, it's on specific scenarios, kind of. So it is, again, sort of more general knowledge mm -hmm. rather than geared toward whatever it is you're trying to do. But um, but those are some places where you could definitely get started on general knowledge. Yeah, and set some foundations for what can mm -hmm. this do for me? What are the areas yeah. that we should be working in? Right, because that's important to know, too. You know, what I would say, you know, for myself, that's kind of how I learned SharePoint was I first went to some kind some sort of event and saw the kinds of things it could do and that got the brain ticking yeah. over you know <laughs> and thinking oh well you know i could apply that to to this and that that i really want to do <laughs> well and, and i've seen this happen inside of it as well as as they, as they started paying attention to power platform because they were 
certain areas in the business that were interested in it, they saw it be mm-hmm. useful within their own space. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff they needed to automate and track mm-hmm. and deal with. So, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, consuming a little of this yourself, being the domain expert in your in the IT area and adding a little, it'll only help you. At least be mm-hmm. a little more empathetic to what folks are trying to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great thought. Uh, Sandy, so much fun to talk to you. I think we could we could go all day, actually. <laughs> maybe in eight months from now we can. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe we will again. But yeah, and you'll be somewhere else at that point, which is you I know, should be <laughs> back to your nomad ways, which is exciting. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and oh, sort of helping so to set some foundation uh, around how folks can get started with this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. 